0: The Formed Book Club. Catholic book lovers unpacking good books, chapter by chapter. Welcome to The Formed Book Club. I hope it's welcome back to The Formed Book Club. We continue to discuss the Lost Rangers of Heaven, a very uh, important story to know uh, about our country its foreign relations uh, by Jeffrey Shaw, a military historian. Uh, We concluded chapter nine last session. We now entered in chapter 10, which was kind of a turning point in this entire drama Mm -hmm. called the Buddhist crisis of 1960. But it wasn't a Buddhist crisis, really. It was a crisis created by a few Buddhists who were basically radicalized and under the influence of the North Vietnamese. That's right.
1: So last time we set up what a crucial year 1963 was, and uh, really the uh, pinnacle of the end of the DM government was this Buddhist crisis of 1963. As the first line of the chapter says, it was seized upon by DM's enemies as the final proof he must be replaced. But as you read the uh, chapter, you realize that uh, as Father just said, it was the Buddhist revolt was led by radicalized Buddhists on one hand and seized upon by the American media, on the other hand, looking for that sensational story, and American public opinion just completely went into the basement toward DM. I mean, really, it became politically untenable for JFK's uh, re-election campaign to support this man.
2: Well now, the sure. So, sorry, Father.
0: No, here, no, go ahead.
2: Now the irony is, and we get get on page one hundred, and the, the final paragraph of page one hundred ninety-four. There, the first um, page of the chapter, and then the top, the next paragraph, top of the next page. I don't think we need to read it, but you know. But the the, the irony is that that um, that present all the again all the data shows that Prince D.M. was not an enemy of Buddhism. On the contrary, it actually promoted Buddhism. As a means of uh, of re- restoring some sort of conservative anti-communist order of the country. There's all sorts of figures here about um under his patronage, schools are built, they're gonna give the numbers, pagodas were built, um uh et cetera, et cetera, and the amount of money spent. Uh that, that the point is that present Diem was a friend of the Buddhists. And that's the facts on the ground, right? And of course, what the what the U.S. public gets from the American media, uh, which then the politicians begin to dance to like marionettes, is something which is the, the, the diametrical opposite of the reality yes. on the ground again.
1: Yes. Yes. He supported Buddhism because it was the majority religion in his country, and as we know, he was truly a Vietnamese nationalist in the true sense good sense of that word, a patriot, really, a lover of his own country, a lover of his own people. And he knew that the most of the people were Buddhists, and he thought that supporting that would help revivify the culture and, uh, and uh, life of, of the people once they got rid of the French colonists. And just to get an interesting source here to demonstrate that he wasn't an anti-Buddhist, we have a quote from a general... On the top of 196, who participated in the coup that brought Diem down yeah. and murdered him. According to Shaw, who interviewed him, the author interviewed this general, he scoffed at the idea of Diem persecuting or discriminating against Buddhists. In an interview with the author, he said he, a Buddhist, enjoyed the president's trust and friendship. So not only did he do these campaigns to rebuild pagodas and schools and monasteries and things like that, but that even in his inner circle, he had Buddhists. And uh, in fact, there's a quote as to, um, well, this t- this um, chapter sort of bounces around a lot because he sets up the whole thing in the beginning, the author does, kind of gives you the whole plot in synopsis form, kind of the way Shakespeare does with a lot of his plays, He gives you the synopsis form of the story before the play begins. And then we get into how this all unfolded, but he had, yes, he had Buddhists in his government. Uh, and also though it was pointed out, well, he had a lot of Catholics and he seemed to have a preference for Catholics. But as we pointed out in a previous episode, the Catholics often had the best education because the Catholic schools were started by the French and so they had a western education and i think that is a key word they had a western education and i think the Buddhists who got radicalized some were actually compromised by the communists and worked with them but other of them i think thought that uh they need to purge the country of any kind of western influence this was a
0: what? No there's a great foot on this was a dramatic
1: sure? theme in Vietnamese history you know when Christianity via Catholic missionaries first came to the country, tens of thousands of people who converted were murdered by government pogroms against them. so this tension between and this happened in other Japan it happened other places where Any Christian influence was seen as a foreign influence, as a corrupting influence, as something that was going to rob the people of their true identity. And so I think this Buddhist movement that got radicalized and certainly exploited by the Viet Cong and even infiltrated by the Viet Cong, I think in a lot of ways it was just another manifestation of this anti-Western
2: yeah, I, I I want to nuance that, but I think Father said he had a quote he wanted to read. So may, maybe after Father's read his quote, I'll, yeah. I'll okay.
0: Give uh, yeah, and then in the background, I want to bring up later this idea that the, the Viet Cong are not stupid. No, I mean uh, they are very shrewd and very intelligent, and so they 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 look for these things they can use. But I want to jump into the next chapter. It's a footnote, footnote twelve on page two sixteen, where this. Father Ghetto had done these investigations. Uh, he uncovered an article entitled World Coexistence of Buddhism and Communism in a radical Japanese Buddhist publication from Tokyo. This article made plain that there was, quote, a desire to show that the oppression in Asia comes from Christianity and white people, while salvation comes from Buddhism, united with communism, since both complement one another and have the same aspirations the same goal yes uh, so again uh, already 1963 it's white supremacy which is the, which is the uh you know the enemy here
2: well you so, remember- the, the, the reason I want the nuance is that has an, an additional thing to nuance here that one of the reasons from one of the earlier chapters that uh, the um apart from the fact he's uh, an authentic vietnamese nationalist that that um, recognizes and respects the majority religion of the of the buddhists in this country he also saw that 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 the the weakening of buddhism uh during the colonial period under under french rule was really basically uh it was the opposite of a christianizing of the country it was a secularizing of the country and an atheizing of the country that's a word you know in other words it's the spirit of the enlightenment and of the french revolution and laic- laicité um so that 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 that, that, that 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 was that something that Diem thought was 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 negative, um, and that Buddhism would be a conservative step in the right direction, back towards a belief in in the supernatural, uh, away from this rena- Renaissance thing. And then the other irony, from what you've just read, Father, is of course, you now what's more Western than communism? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Karl, Karl yeah. Marx, Friedrich Engels, both German Jews who come to live in England during the Industrial Revolution, right? Successful in the case of Engels, a successful capitalist. Ironically, right? That you know, if if communism is not Western imperialism ideologically, then what
0: is?
1: Right. That's a very good point.
0: So we've we've looked at this overall view that Diem was not anti-Buddhist. In fact, he was friendly, and recognize the importance of Buddhism in this country. Let's get to the specific thing, the irony of the so-called crisis. What was the event which caused the crisis?
1: It was the anti-religious flag law that uh, that Diem's government had passed, that you couldn't put a religious flag above the flag of Vietnam.
0: And why was that passed?
1: Well, it was passed. Well, the law was passed, but then his brother, an archbishop, a Catholic archbishop. But the reason
0: was the law was, was his brother, the archbishop of Hue.
1: I thought it was passed, but the brother defied it.
0: No. Okay, it was passed it was, because of the brother. Past, it, 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 I think it was passed because his brother, archbishop Hue, had his 50th anniversary as a priest or bishop. and they had a huge celebration, and the Vatican flag was given more prominence yeah. than the Vietnamese flag. That's right. And the Buddhists resisted, you know were upset about that. And then when they So h- DM had a law passed, saying, we don't allow any religious flag to supersede our country's flag. Right. And so what happens? What's the crisis? When the Buddhists want to fly their flag, Buddha's birthday above the Vietnamese flag. And so the government says no, you can't do that anymore, you
1: know. And unfortunately, those flags were taken down forcibly. Yeah. And so there was this uh, Misunderstanding that somehow the, even though the law, whether it was before or after the incident with the Vatican flags, it certainly was DM's sensitivity to how offensive that was, that he had this flag law that was supposed to uh, be applied to everyone. Right. No one could put a religious flag above the flag. You know, we have that law in this country. No flag is supposed to be on the flag post above the flag of the United States of America. We have that right. law here, too. Okay, so says,
2: that's the middle of page 196. And again, the irony is that that, that law was passed by a Catholic president uh, to basically make it illegal to fly the Vatican flag.
1: Yes, okay, so it was his brother's uh, lack of prudence that led to this law. Diem's brother was a Catholic archbishop. Then Diem passes this law. Another interesting point is that when they passed the new constitution, Diem made sure that the wording of the divine was not the Western word for God, but the Buddhist word for God. I mean, I think we see here a man who was very sensitive to the fact that his religion was a minority religion and that he had to be seen as the ruler of all and not have preferential treatment for one group over another. And that's the irony is that that's what brought him down was the impression of the exact opposite because these... Buddhist radicals, they knew how to play this game of creating sensational situations, the government forces putting down riots and this kind of thing, then people getting hurt, then, I mean, it's classic. It's a classic leftist tactic. Yep. Yep. And I, by the way, looked up one of, you know, when when I started reading this for the first time, and this accusation was being made that the uh, Buddhists had been infiltrated by the communists or were at least working with the communists. And so I looked up some of these sources and this 197, this footnote, um, this footnote number 10 on 197, this Ho San Dai and Tran Phan Chan, that was published in a uh, publishing house in Ho Chi Minh City. That is the capital of North Vietnam. And I actually found
0: Ho Chi Minh is the new name of Saigon.
1: Yes. Ho Chi Minh is the new name of Saigon. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Um, uh, But this is a communist publishing house is the point. And I ended up looking it up. I looked up, I got this, um, this publication in English translated and uh, they're gloating with glee. That they managed to use the Buddhists for their ends. The communists in this book, this is a book coming out of a communist publishing house in Vietnam, they were gloating with glee at how they were able to use the Buddhists to bring down the DM government. And so I realized, oh, it was another one of those, you know, I was, did a few fact checking to make sure that these sources were all copacetic and that yeah. the author had done due diligence and all this. It was pretty shocking. Yeah, I
2: mean, again, more irony upon irony here, though, because you say there's two options are that these radical Buddhists were communist agents, and you know, as it's admitted that you know, there's no hard evidence for that. There's a belief, but no hard evidence. Right. So that's a moot point. But if they weren't communist agents, they were communist dupes.
1: Yes. Right. They were
2: basically being used by the communists for the communist ends. Um, And you look at the top of page 198 here. Mm-hmm. This is some chap called Higgins. I can't remember who he is exactly, but he says um, about this uh, Buddhist radical. Um, the results were frightening. By the time Tri Quang was through with the mobs, they would cheerfully go drown themselves in the Saigon River if that were what he wanted. He was and is a true demagogue. Hate emanates from the man. Mobs thrive on hate. Um, and again, Definitely. and as the Caravalists, so that these sort of bourgeois liberals, the opponents of DM, uh Tri Quang, this this manic, yeah, um, demagogue, and other radical bonders could not have come at a better time for the Viet Cong. All this was perfect uh, as regards uh, the, the communists, as regards
0: the, the well, on division amongst their enemies. Two lines down, uh, the communists concluded. That the Vietnamese president's weakest point was American reluctance to continue supporting an undemocratic leader. That's right.
1: Yes. So it, this played so nicely into their hand. If, if they were looking for something that would finally turn Western opinion yeah. against Diem as a repressive, anti-democratic dictator, this was it. And yeah. and so you said, I don't know who this Higgins is. It's it's a she, Margaret Higgins. I think was her first name, Margaret. She was a war correspondent in Vietnam at this time. And she was one of the few who didn't just follow the boys club party line, but went out and got information for herself. Yeah. And and so, um, by the way, and on page 204, she describes this Quang guy, quote, a kind of Machiavelli with incense.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Where's that again? Uh, I, I highlighted that.
1: Where is that again, Vivian? 204.
2: Yeah, I'll yeah. That as well. she Very actually good. Yeah.
1: interviewed him. She interviewed him. These, these, um, the, this, this may sound like strong language, but she in fact met him in person and interviewed him and found the man completely terrifying.
2: Right. And but, she was actually being an authentic journalist as well, right? Getting on the ground, going interviewing people directly, not taking secondhand reports. That's right. Um,
1: that's right. And then you have the the. She's the one who then on page two hundred four supplies. Her version of the story, this, this one situation where there was a mob, there was a riot. This was over the flags. They, they, they went toward the radio station. They were going to take it over and force a broadcast, an anti-government broadcast. And the, the riot police show up, and, and, and people are killed. Okay, and what she, in her report, she mentions that there were two massive explosions that ripped through the crowd. And so it's not clear. A Buddhist doctor, this is 205, who examined the bodies of the victims said that their injuries had to have been caused by something exceeding the capacity of anti-riot gear. In other words, were there bombs ready to go off once this mob and riot ensued? And how does this not remind us of four dead in Ohio? Okay, the famous anti-Vietnam War riot on the campus of the uh univers- Kent university Kent yeah. University in Ohio campus, this huge massive riot. Now maybe uh, a lot of people listening aren't old enough to remember that the anti-war riots in this country were also infiltrated by the left to make sure that the mass the most amount of mayhem possible would happen, buildings being set on fire, and so on. And so at Kent State, the uh the National Guard were brought in and four guardsmen got surrounded by this mob mean, meanwhile by by the way some of the speakers who were speaking at this gathering were calling for the students to murder their faculty murder their parents burn the place down you know destroy everything it was very very provocative, provocative and inciting of violence and these four national guardsmen get uh surrounded by this mob they're throwing bricks they're 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 you know, moving in, and all of a sudden, an explosion or something goes off in the crowd somewhere, no one knows where to this day, and those guys dropped, aimed, and shot, okay? they Just like, this is what they're trained to do, right? And of course, there were innocents, if you want to call them that, in the crowd who were killed, and this made national news, repressive U.S. government, shuts down peaceful assembly of students with with murder, you know that that's the narrative that took over the country.
2: I, I, I you know, if, to draw upon the experience of my own radical past, you know, that I was very anti-communist in terms of ideology, but I was very—it's uh, uh, a bit like, you know, um, uh, the the communist, the Viet Cong, learning from um, T. E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, right? You can learn from your enemies, so. I would have called myself uh, ideologically uh, various times, maybe a Nazi at certain times but 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 as a term of strategy, I was a Trotskyite, so you know the, the, the difference between Trotsky and Lenin was that the Trotsky said the, the reason you, the only way you come to power is by causing chaos yes. by basically making the present system untenable, so this would be exactly what we're seeing here planting bombs that kill your. Own people in order to get the desired response, which is more and more chaos, anarchy, to make the whole uh, system untenable. And then once you bring up, in our case, for the prosecution, is is, is to cause a class war. For us, it was to cause a race war. But but the consequence was you make the present system untenable. It doesn't work. You create anarchy, and then out of the anarchy, like a phoenix from the ashes. You rise and take power. That's Trotskyism, and that's exactly what's at work here. That's the exactly right. I can't be the Buddhist. are can't be the Trotskyites. So therefore, you know, those bombs were planted not by Buddhists, if they, but by communists.
0: And I'm going to resist a very strong temptation to make an ecclesiastical application of that principle.
1: Right. They know what they're doing. I mean, when I was in leftist training uh, groups. You know, we too were told, look, the point is not to bring about the positive outcomes that we say in our propaganda. The point is to bring down the whole system by right. whatever means necessary. Yeah. is to utterly destroy the United States of America. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. like, but I thought you were interested in justice and, you know, peace. And no, these people were interested in total mayhem to bring about well, total to, chaos. To be,
2: to, be fair, to be fair to the Trotskyites of whichever ilk, they would say that the word of justice will follow. <laughs> now, after you've destroyed everything, then
0: oh, yeah. justice will follow.
1: Yeah, yeah, when have we seen that happen? Yeah.
0: Well, after, of course. After we of course. Get, rid of, get rid of DM and all things will be fine. I have a question in page 200, bottom paragraph there. In early 1963, Ambassador Nolting asked Secretary of State Rusk to replace him in Saigon. The Assistant Secretary of State Harriman replied to Nolting that owing to the progress that was being made in South Vietnam, Nolting should remain indefinitely. Wait a minute. I, I don't understand. Because like, Herriman wanted to get rid of Nolting. And Harriman was saying, we're not making progress. we to the military there.
1: But eventually, Harriman does decide to take him out. So I'm not no. sure, Father. Well, this is well I take a Yes, and Nolting is gone by the father,
2: summer. Father, father, my answer would be, and I don't know. It's a good question. But the following sentence. He advised Nolte to plan for a holiday sometime in the spring or summer. So what you do, you you you, you, you placate the person's fears. You tell him, we're all, we're all with you. We all support you. you know, we, we, no one wants to get rid of you. You know, But you just take a holiday. Yeah. And of course, yeah. it's, it's exactly what he's on his holiday, right? The, 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 the axe force.
1: That's right. That's right. So basically, this is another uh, example of Harriman's duplicity
2: so it's like basically capitalist Machiavels are not much different from trotskyite ones
1: there you go there you go yeah so this this buddhist thing just goes from bad to worse as we see and then it continues in the next chapter too that um you know it takes on it takes on a uh, a movement status of more we, and more
2: if 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 we if if i can just read uh before we finish this chapter um the, the final chapter paragraph 206, not the whole of it, but the first few paragraph chapters, sentences, because this, I think, is important as regards seeing Diem in an objective light. Yes. During the first meeting with the Buddhist leaders, Diem explained to them that errors had been made by by government officials with respect to the flags. He reminded them that they were guaranteed freedom of worship under the Constitution of the Republic of South Vietnam, and he also reminded them that there were troublemakers at the Hue radio station who had nothing to do with Buddhism. Indeed, Catholics were amongst the injured. DiEM went to great lengths to assuage Buddhist fears and to meet their demands.
1: That's right. And he offered uh, generous indemnification for the families who had suffered losses. Uh, So, but they wanted him to admit guilt. So they were the ones who were uncompromising here. And as we know, uh, there was inquiry called. Eventually, the UN who studied the case Vindicated DM's government for not being to blame for all of this, but oh, DM was already dead by the right. time that report got released. But the in fact, Buddhist... in, fact,
2: in fact, the report wasn't even released, if I remember yeah, rightly. Right. Uh, it was the not report published, it was got... William, William F. Buckley that, that got a copy and published it.
1: That's what that's right, you're right, Joseph. But what's interesting is that DM. They The Buddhist demand was that he admit guilt before there's an inquiry. Yeah. Well, there's a bit of logic problem going right. on here. You don't admit it's, guilt before an inquiry. It's,
2: it, it's called lynch law. <laughs> That's what it's called, lynch law. You you basically find someone guilty and punish them by lynching them before there's a trial.
1: Right, exactly. And he and of course, why would he go along with that? And that was shown as proof of his, I don't know, lack of sensitivity toward the Buddhists. Yeah,
0: absolutely. All right.
1: So we probably covered this chapter pretty well. What do you think?
0: Well, yeah, I would like to close up with a, this, I thought, a very nice metaphor. Of the last paragraph of the chapter, page 212, uh, Nolting told Secretary of Defense McNamara that, quote, it was difficult, if not impossible, to put a Ford engine into a Vietnamese ox cart. That pretty much is an image that sums up what we tried to do there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, right. join you. Soon, uh, for the follow- next session, we will take chapter eleven. Uh, thanks to everyone. God Try bless you 11 all.
1: And twelve, right? Eleven and twelve. Oh,
0: 12. Well, we'll see.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: We'll find out.
1: <laughs> Get ready.
0: If you enjoyed this discussion, please help spread the word about the Formed Book Club by subscribing to the podcast and writing a review. You can sign up for weekly updates at FormedBookClub.